The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Valerio De Stefano, who is Professor of Labor Law at KU Leuven. Hi, Valerio. Thank you so much for joining us on AI Today. Hello to you both. Thanks so much for having me, actually. Thrilled to have you. Welcome, Valerio, and thanks for joining us. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your background and your current role, especially as it relates to artificial intelligence. Sure. So I'm a professor of labor law at the University of Leuven in Belgium. And before that, I was for summer an officer of the International Labor Office, which is a UN specialized agency that deals with everything that concerns labor and work. There, I started working on how technology impacts on labor. And I've been working for a number of years about platform work in the gig economy. And it was the first time I started to reflect on automated management since platforms vastly use technology to manage and discipline workers. For instance, they allocate tasks and worksheets using GPS and use software to constantly monitor work by collecting, for instance, customer reviews and cutting out of the platforms workers that don't meet the very high standards that these algorithms require to be met or for taking screenshots of people that work online to show the clients that they're actually working. So platform work has been used as a pilot for management by algorithm, but management by algorithm is much broader than that. So my interest comes from the labor law side. And when we talk about AI and management and automation and how it affects the workplace, well, we see that a lot of the debate is about the quantity of jobs, how many jobs we are going to lose to automation, will the robot steal my accountant job or whatever. Not so much on the quality side of it. So how technology is going to impact on my everyday working life, how technology is going to be used to rate my performance, to discipline my work. So I think, and as a researcher, I am trying to fill these gaps. And one of the ways I'm doing this is by editing a special issue of a journal called the Comparative Labor Law and Policy Journal that uh, is about automation, artificial intelligence, and labor protection. And in this special issue, we gather the contribution of many labor experts, sociologists, economists, lawyers, industrial relations specialists to investigate how technology is introduced in the workplace and how it affects our working life beyond the question of losing jobs. Yeah, that was some really interesting insight. You know, thank you so much for your input on that. You know, some employers are having their employees use wearable tools that track emotions and stress by collecting data on heartbeats and the tone of voice, for example. So you say that most of these practices should be urgently restricted because losing one's privacy, especially their internal privacy, their mental privacy, arguably threatens one of the core elements of being human. Can you explain to us why you say this and what data you may have to show how it can be misused? Well, so... Having a system that tracks your emotions and reads your facial expressions or the tone of your voice is per se an egregious invasion of our private sphere and personality. So basically, when this happens, I'm giving away data that concern my most private and individual 
aspects, the most private and individual aspects of my life, my thoughts, my emotions. And in some cases, I might not even be as much aware of these emotions as these systems are. So basically, my managers know more about me than I know about myself. And this basically can add up on stress levels. But in general, this generates huge information asymmetries. Now, information asymmetries have always been there at the workplace, but it's really tilting the scale on the employer's side. This is why I think this should be restricted in a way, because we are experiencing something that was completely unheard of in the past, the fact that employers and managers can read my mind. Now, so the question is not about how these data are being misused. It is the very same collection of the data that should be called into question. Using assist aims are knowing my mind better and faster than I do, and to share this information with other people is per se an abuse. So we do not need data on specific misuses, as these practices already are a misuse per se, in my opinion. You know, it's interesting because data is at the heart of AI, and People have been freely giving away their data for many years in exchange for free services. And I think for a while, we weren't even you know, thinking about it. We were just signing up, giving away information, letting different companies and systems and apps that we were using track us and didn't think twice about it. But however, what happens when the workplaces start requiring employees to use these tools that collect data on them, You know, such as facial recognition technology or wearable tools that are able to track a variety of different things? This is where it starts to get maybe a little bit more gray, where we're not necessarily giving it out so freely, but almost being required to. So what have you seen discussed around this subject with regards to laws and regulations? So first of all, as a lawyer, I think that the assumption that people, even customers, even us as customers, have truly consented to give away all this data is per se questionable. Now, when we started to give away those data, when we became member of Facebook or Twitter or whatever, we did, we could not imagine how far-reaching the implications of this data could be and how this data could be used. It was not manageable at that point. And even if this was described in fine print in thousands of pages of terms of references, now nobody ever read those terms of services. Now, if we want to give the petty ambulance seeker lawyer, I mean, it can be enough. Yes, you gave your consent, you didn't read the fine print, so too bad for you. But as a society and in terms of policy, we need also to question how much consent and how valuable and valid those consent was when we started to give all this data away. Now, Aside from this, when it comes to employment, things get even more complicated because employment is per se somebody has powers over the other party. And employers in any legal system have some amount of authority over workers. They can discipline the workers, they can monitor their work, they can direct their work. So it is already an unbalanced situation. And when it comes to employment, because of this unbalance, consent is really never to be taken for good in the sense that most people don't have a choice whether to work or not, whether to apply for a job or not, whether to be subject to certain devices and tools and monitoring techniques or not. So there is not a free choice and therefore there is not a free consent in this. If in order to get hired, I am required to undergo an interview based on facial recognition, I can hardly refuse. And especially 
if these practices are spreading and all the employers in a given industry using them. I mean, if all universities start to use this for making interviews, even if I want to change job, I would have to be subject to all this. So I really don't have a choice. And also choice and consent is about being informed. And I don't think the general public is already informed enough on how these systems work and what the implications of these systems are. As experts, we know that facial recognition technology, but also other forms of management, such as, for instance, using algorithms to scan CVs and resumes, etc., etc. As experts, we know that all techniques can be biased and can lead to discriminatory outcomes. And the general people in society, the general public doesn't know about it. They think that technology is always neutral, technology is always objective, and it cannot actually discriminate. Only experts know that algorithmic discrimination is a thing and that facial recognition systems can be flawed. And so I think there is not so much of a discussion about this. And this is something important when we think of consent and if our consent has been valid or not. Also, people don't know that an interview that is recorded with a facial recognition system could follow them for the rest of their life. Because if the platform that is used to record an interview is then used by the same employers for other job interviews in the future or by other employers, well, I'm carrying on the data of this bad interview, maybe an interview that didn't go as well as it could have, but I'm carrying it over for the rest of my life. And again, this is not something that regular people normally know. So consent is really not given properly in this case as well. And in general, also consent is not given properly when employers introduce management by algorithm and monitoring and disciplining techniques that make use of technology. Because basically, workers don't know how they work. And even in some cases, managers don't know how they work. In some cases, the software that is used is not proprietary of the employer. So even the employer doesn't know how these things work. So again, there's so much things we don't know about and these things work in a way that is completely untransparent that we cannot really meaningfully talk about consent in this area. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's also made more challenging because laws and regulations and customs and social norms and just people's attitudes on privacy differ quite a bit from region to region. In the Western world, in Europe, in the United States, we have some fairly more stringent data privacy laws. But in China, you know, it's known to have very lax laws when it comes to privacy and AI technology. So, and of course, the EU has some of the strictest laws. And this is actually something we'll talk about even more in our bonus episode about kind of where things are heading with laws. But do you think there's a balance that we need to strike here in order to make AI fair and also accessible for all? Well, you know, so there's a lot of talk about these differences that, of course, are there. I mean, this is a worldwide phenomenon and it's good to take into account those differences. But when I talk, for instance, with my US-based colleagues, they always assume that Europe is much more stricter even than the US in how it treats privacy, etc., etc. And now... I think this is possibly true from the cultural standpoint that in Europe, we think that privacy is more valuable than in other places and definitely more, more, we're more attentive to that than other regions in the world and especially the Eastern world. But I'm not so sure that regulation really follows suits 
when we're talking about monitoring workplaces and how AI can be used to basically discipline and surveil people. If we talk about, for instance, the European Union, everybody knows the fact that the EU has this general data protection regulation, the GDPR. Basically, it's something that is known worldwide because at some point in 2018, everybody had to start clicking again, yes, 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 on consent forms online on European sites, so everybody knows about the GDPR. But the point is that the GDPR may not be the most updated and comprehensive way of regulating some of the implications of the tools we are discussing. The reason is that the GDPR is much more centered on data collection than it is on data processing and especially on inferences. Now, inferences are something that the Court of Justice of the EU, so the highest court in the EU, the ones that apply EU law ultimately, and therefore also the GDPR, doesn't really necessarily think that inferences are as covered by data privacy regulation in the EU as is data collection. So we may leave outside the remit of the law the things that are most dangerous when a machine starts to make an assumption based on data. Well, I could have protection on the fact that the data were collected, but on the assumptions and inferences that the machines make out of it, well, the GDPR might not be really helping. So I'm not so sure that there's so much of a distinction here. It's possibly a cultural distinction, but I think we are still at the beginning of the debate on this. Now, also, we have to take into account that in the Western world, we have certain laws that protect workers and they basically are used internationally. I mean, for instance, the US and many other European countries prevent the use of polygraphs of lie-detecting mechanisms to basically hire people or to monitor them after they're hired. But the way AI is working at the moment with motion tracking, with facial recognition, may allow to circumvent all this legislation that is already there. So it's not just about the circumvention of privacy. It's about the circumvention of a much broader area of law and legislation. And also the use of medical data is restricted in many countries because it can lead to discrimination based on disability or or other protected factors. But again, AI may not be under the remit of these laws because basically these laws were approved much before AI came into play. So they might not be updated enough to take and to keep pace with new technologies. Now, this creates a problem and the only way to solve this is is to talk about it. First, we have to have a policy, a broad debate on this, a general debate in society. People need to be made aware of what is going on in the field of technology. And only after this, we can have a public debate on how we want to pursue these technological advancements, etc., etc. I mean, because there's also a lot of good things that we can reap out of technological advances and progresses and AI and all this. But if we don't have a broad societal discussion on this, I am afraid that it is not just about cultural differences. We are not going to have a meaningful regulation of this. And basically, the governance of all these phenomena is going to be left to some people in the Silicon Valley or to some restricted number of regulators. But we won't know actually how this can impact on our lives before it's too late. 
Yeah, that's interesting. You know, Cognolytica had a few months ago published a worldwide laws and regulations around artificial intelligence report. And for now, we're seeing a lot of countries, you know, we covered A through Z countries, every single one in the world. And right now we're seeing a lot of countries have, you know, more of a wait and see approach. And because I think that they just don't know, you know, this is an emerging technology and exactly how it will be used. So it's really important, like you said, to just continue to have these discussions and make sure that we're thinking about this. So as we move forward, we know where things go. Absolutely. Yeah, I think this is crucial. We really need to talk more about it. But when we say that people, that countries adopt a wait and see approach, uh, we don't wait too long because this is already in place. And monitoring, surveillance, algorithmic management is already in place. So we should do something rather than later about it. And if we don't start talking about it, we will never be able to do it. We agree. So, you know, this podcast was very insightful. And listeners, if you'd like to listen more, we encourage you to check out our bonus episode that we'll link in the show notes. Valerio, I'd like to end this podcast by asking you what you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations, governments, and beyond. Sure. So AI, I think, of course, as a future... And it will be increasingly used because it promises many things and especially it promises to make things simpler and cheaper. I'm afraid that for the moment, this is going to be used more and more in policing, justice, criminal matters before we can really understand how to rule biases out, how to rule discrimination out of it. And even before we understand whether all this can be ruled out of it in the first place. And the same goes with employment and workplace issues. This is already being used. We don't know how much we can weed out the scary parts out of it. And especially if we leave this thing unregulated, so basically to the self-regulation of the tech sectors or the various industries that use AI to monitor people. Now, AI may also have very exciting use. And this, I want to stress, this is very important. It can improve medical practice, healthcare, make workplace safer, prevent frauds, etc. But at the moment, we risk living the future of AI and now AI will shape our society to the decision of a very limited number of technocrats. So I think the sooner we start to take this in our hands and to talk more about this widely and in public, the better it is going to be and the better future uh, the AI will be able to provide for us. Well, excellent. I don't think we could have said it better. And we were thrilled to have you as a guest to provide your visibility and your viewpoint and your insight into making this all happen, because I think we're all on the same page. We want all the benefits of AI and eliminating some of the downsides that we've been talking about. So this is great. So thank you so much, Valerio, for joining us on this podcast. We really enjoyed having you and our guest. And listeners, we hope you really have enjoyed hearing some of the insights and the valuable input that Valerio has brought to our audience. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. 
Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.